Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the New York Yankees official podcast. I mean, I know I can be a little bit over the top sometimes. I, I, I notice it. I, you know, I kind of calm myself down. It's very welcomed by everybody in the clubhouse, and it kind of just makes people laugh. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, to have people come in and have a great time, it's only going to make you want to, you know, go out and do your job even more. Like, you don't want to be sitting there miserable, and next thing you know, you're losing 90 games. The environment's terrible. Everybody starts hating each other. It's, it's, it's something I've seen, and I never want to be a part of that again. I think that's been a big thing of why I can always connect with fans. I understand, you know, how they feel. It's I've been there so many times <laughs> throughout my life. And I think it's definitely, I mean, obviously, they're so passionate about the Yankees. And growing up, especially in New York, I got to see it. And even though I wasn't a Yankee fan growing up, sadly, I got to see how, you know, passionate they were for their team. And, I mean, it was incredible. Obviously, like I love when I get strikeouts or, you know, bad swings and misses on my changeup. I feel like it's more satisfying seeing that than, you know, getting a strikeout on a fastball. Hello, hello, and welcome to the New York Yankees official podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. What's up, Al? Hey, John. What is up? Really fun one today. We have a high-energy conversation with reliever Tommy Canley. No surprise that that one gets a little wacky at times, a little fun at times. But i got to say, in- insightful, too. I'm excited for people to hear it. Yeah, you know, when you talk about fun, you know, Tommy Canely is probably coming, you know, into the conversation next, for sure. He's, it kind of it kind just comes with the territory, right? It does. And, and then, Al, I think we should talk about... A little bit of that, and also the Mike Harkey story. I think a nice little bullpen angle for this episode. But why don't we go right now to the Tommy Canley interview? Can't wait. Joining us right now on the New York Yankees official podcast, we have pitcher Tommy Canley. Tommy, welcome back to the Yankees, and thank you so much for doing this with us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's fun. Uh, it's a great time to be back, and can't wait to get the ball rolling. Let's go. So you're originally drafted by the Yankees. You come back to town in a trade. Now you come back as a free agent. It kind of seems like something keeps pulling you back here in some ways. Yeah, right? Uh, I mean, like you said, this is my third time back. So, I mean, it's just, I guess I'm just meant to be a Yankee, you know? <laughs> I was drafted by them and traded back for them in 17 and obviously come back now as a free agent. It seems hard to understand sometimes because you're a huge bundle of energy. You're operating at 195 miles per hour. And so naturally, like your bread and butter is a changeup. Like that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I, I, you know, a big energy guy, high, loud. 
it's uh i've always been like this just growing up i mean i was an only child weird i mean <laughs> but it, it makes sense uh you know i got all this energy and i just needed some way to get it out and then of course you'd think oh this guy just be a fastball guy right rip and rip it man let's go yeah but uh obviously yeah change up so uh growing up as a kid i always threw change ups and because uh my dad was always like oh i want you to be fastball change up so i was like all right whatever and from from when I was about 10 years old, probably, I've just basically been fastball change-up, and eventually, you know, you learn breaking balls growing up. But, I mean, through college, I was pretty much, I mean, change-up was my best off-speed pitch. And then once I came into pro ball, I think people realized that, yeah, we're, uh, that's going to be your, you know, your out pitch. It might surprise you to hear this. It might not. I don't know. I can't throw a 102-mile-per-hour fastball. Um, if I could, I probably wouldn't be uh, on this side of the microphone here. I'm sure that's really fun, though. I'm sure it's really fun to know that you can light up that radar gun like, radar gun like that. But there's a part of me that always just thinks that, you know, it must be really fun just to make a batter flail at something that he thinks he's going to crush and then just whiff on top of it. I mean, am I right about Like, the idea of... Ah, fooled you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, eventually, like, obviously, like, I love when I get strikeouts or, you know, bad swings and misses on my changeups. So it's definitely, I feel like it's more satisfying seeing that than, you know, getting a strikeout on a fastball sometimes. But I do enjoy, you know, over trying to overpower guys with, you know, fastballs. But obviously, my changeup is it's uh it's a different different pitch than you know you see and i think getting those swings and misses it's it's really satisfying whether it's just learning about baseball or frankly like understanding the english language i mean fastball is very easy to understand right you know what that <laughs> does curveball super easy to figure out when you're a little kid you know mm -hmm. i think when you're a kid and you're learning what a changeup is in your head a changeup means slow pitch yeah that's not what you're changeup is obviously your, your pitch is so much more than that. how would you describe your changeup uh i mean really it's just uh i always used it as i wanted to i didn't really necessarily think of it as like you said a slow pitch a slower pitch but essentially i wanted it to look like a fastball essentially but i know a lot of people have a hard time uh, growing up and being able to, you know, throw a changeup, it's not the easiest pitch to learn. So, I mean, even guys today still struggle trying to learn changeups. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that I always thought of throwing it literally just like my fastball, same arm speed, same release point. And I mean, from basically with that, it's developed into what it is today. I mean, minus a couple, like maybe grip adjustments I've had over the years but yeah so that's probably why I get like a certain amount of depth now on it and stuff so how much of a tinkerer are you I mean how much from year to year would you say you're tweaking adjusting in that regard um I would say change up wise hardly at all yeah I won't I won't really adjust it I kind of just I've been rolling with the same grip I had since 2011 so that's when I changed from a two seam grip to a four seam grip in my change up but other pitches, yeah, I kind of tinker a little bit every year just to try to get, you know, get that movement, get the kind of spin rate on it or something like a heater, uh, the slider. Now I'm developing a, you know, a sinker. So 
there's uh, I'm always trying to tinker with those three pitches, and uh, we're going to see how it goes. Do you think deep down you were supposed to be a lefty? <laughs> I mean, if we, went, if we went back here, was there a mistake somewhere along the line that you weren't a lefty? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> it's worked out. Don't uh, get me wrong. <laughs> I know. I know. I, you, you would think that this guy's got to be a lefty, right? Uh, but no, I, I think the, the righty is perfect. It's just, go. yeah, you know, you're a big, burly righty. You're supposed to throw hard. And then you, the only thing is obviously the changeup. Nobody's, I mean, not many righties now, to be honest, the way the game's changing, I feel like the changeup is becoming more of a, a pitch you're starting to see again. Yeah. It's starting to make its rounds. Baseball just has this history and not, and not its best quality sometimes of really trying to take guys and put them into, you know, the correct way of doing things, whatever. Mm -hmm. At some point you obviously decided, you know what? I gotta be me, you know, how, did you I, I, and look? I mean, the answer I'm sure is in some ways like because I got to be me. But like <laughs> you know, you obviously were not willing or not able or whatever to say like yes, you know, just gonna report to work employee number <laughs> you know 41 or whatever. How, how did you decide that that was how you were okay being and that people are gonna like me or people are gonna not like me? But I'm me. Yeah, that's how it was pretty much throughout my entire youth, childhood, into my high school years, my college years. And then early, you know, pro ball, still young. I mean, I was who I was. And it there was no, like, uh, you know, you didn't have really the veteran presence, like, when you were in the minor leagues. I mean, maybe a guy was, like, two years older than you or something. But eventually, I noticed it once you got to the big leagues. It was a different environment. And it seemed as if sometimes that personality was not taken the right way not welcomed really, yeah right not welcomed i was not welcomed very well by a few older veterans but uh i mean obviously i was surrounded by a lot of younger guys as well which made it kind of easier so i mean getting over that hump was it was hard i mean obviously you wanted to be who you were and i stayed that course i mean i never changed and eventually it was welcomed in another place in chicago and then from there on i've been taking off and having a great time. You know, I've been around this team for a long time and I've seen a lot of different people, different things, different philosophies in a sense. And I think one thing that has always stuck with me and I'm making this up a little bit, but I'm going to say 2017, let's say. Yep. Um, I'm standing in Tampa at, at kind of the door to the clubhouse there and I watch Glaber, Glaber Torres walk in the door and he's walking in one direction. CeCe's coming in the other direction. And Glaber goes, what's up, C? Hand up high, high five. Oh, yeah. And in my head, and again, I'm not saying I'm right here at all. In my head, it's just like, man, you don't see that a lot from players who haven't made their major league debut mm -hmm. yet, you know? And I, I wasn't saying that about it. I was saying, like, that's there's something there. There's some yeah. value there in, you know, CC, who's not even, I mean, it's not like it was another pitcher even. Yeah. It was Glaber Torres. But see, you, you knew that this player was comfortable enough with CC Sabathia that he didn't have to hide. Yeah. I have to think, and again, I can't put myself in the situation, that it is easier to foster success when you're in an environment where the veterans are letting that happen in some ways and, and, and want that to happen. Yeah. I mean, how is that not a better way to make successful baseball players? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the minute I walked through the door here in 17, halfway at the trade deadline, and I, you know, started to get to meet some of the older veterans, they were, they were awesome. They were welcoming. They, they wanted you to be who you were as long as you, you know, had success in the field. And if you weren't succeeding, I mean, they would take you aside and be like, hey, kind of like you need to work on this, do this. And 
it was it was very easy. They were very approachable. I've always noticed that here, especially when I was in big league camp in 13. Uh, it was very easy to go and talk to the older guys. You know, Jeter, Pettit, uh, Jabba was here. I can't even think. There's so yeah. many. Yeah, there's so many guys that like it was just so easy to go up, have a conversation with them, and they were they were all about it. And it, I thought it, this the Yankees environment has always been like that. Which is so funny, isn't though? Because like that's yeah. not what you expect when you hear the Yankees. You yeah. don't expect like, and look, they're also a team that has obviously we have some interesting rules about what you can and can't do. And yet, that one thing I've always felt being here, you expect, you hear about, you expect it's like corporate whatever environment. Yeah. And when you walk in that clubhouse, it's a loose room. Oh yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, like uh, having CC for those three years I had to play when was was amazing. I mean, the the guy is tremendous. He he welcomed all of us, like you said, like giving high fives to the younger guys. I mean, maybe even Glaber de- debut that year. Mm-hmm. I think not until 18. Yeah. So, I mean, even then, it just showed you how incredible of a guy he was and just the environment that they had was was spectacular. And I thought that was a great thing for young kids to, you know, be who they are and not have to hide or shelter and feel like they can't express themselves. So it was it was very nice to see. And I like the way that's going forward now. Again, I, 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 I can only say that it seems to me like it has to help. I don't know. In a lot of ways, you know, your reputation precedes you in some ways. You <laughs> could sit there quiet as a mouse and people will still be sitting there saying like, oh, Tommy won't shut up or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure you look at this like, I haven't done anything, man. Yeah. But my favorite one I've gotten so far read is Sevi, Luis Severino saying, you're a good crazy. And <laughs> I, I, I like that. I assume you like that too. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. It's a good crazy. So that's a, I, I definitely could see that. I mean, I know I can be a little bit over the top sometimes. I I, I notice it. I you know I kind of calm myself down, but uh, I know it, it's uh it's very welcomed by everybody in the clubhouse, and it kind of just makes people laugh. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, to have people come in and have a great time, it's only gonna make you want to you know go out and do your job even more. Like you don't want to be sitting there miserable, and next thing you know, you're losing ninety games. The environment's terrible. Everybody starts hating each other. It's 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 something that I've seen, and I never want to be a part of that again. And, and that's something that you hear a lot also. I mean, again, ask 50 people on the street about Tommy Canley, and they're going to say, oh, that guy's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> ask your teammates about Tommy Canley, and what they're going to say is, man, you know, I, I had a terrible outing, and Tommy came to me and said, you're great, or I did this thing, and, you know, Tommy was the most supportive guy. And I know that it's not performative i mean i know that's who you are and i guess my question is is that something that you were brought up with this sense of that kind of support and that kind of loud and like passionate support that like you know i'm gonna like be whether if you were brought up by people or friends who said like i'm gonna lift this guy up and i'm not gonna break him in that way yeah i mean we play a game of failure so (laughs) yeah so i mean you're always gonna be down and i feel i've had it too to where you know, you're down, you can't get out of it. And I just felt that, you know, I want to help my teammates. Like that's, I don't, I don't want to see them upset, angry. It's basically something to, you know, get them back on the right side and be positive and try to find things that you did that outing, that game that were good. Like, I mean, we're going to, we're playing a game of mostly failure. So you could easily nitpick and look and find something that you did wrong, but it's it's all about taking the positives out and then learning from that. And I think just giving these guys positive reinforcement is is huge. And 
It just helps. It goes a long way. Tommy, you have so many interests and so many passions. And I, to the extent that we're around these guys, you know, we're getting usually a closed version of who they are. You wear it all on your sleeve. You're, <laughs> literally, right now, you're wearing a Boba Fett t-shirt. On the way in here, we were talking about <laughs> the fact that you have a PS2, a PS3, probably PS4 and PS5, if yep. I'm guessing, with oh, you. Yeah. What is your favorite thing to do? Oh, well, right now, obviously, since I'm a dad, it's to play with my daughter, good which good is answer. great. Good but answer. If, if you, you know, aside from that, like, obviously, I love to watch, you know, Marvel TV shows, movies, Star Wars TV shows, movies, anything, you know, sci-fi related, comic related. And then, obviously, I'm a big video game guy. So I love video games. I've been playing since I was four or five years old, you know, on a Sega con- Sega Genesis console. I mean, like you said, I have PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you have a PS6 somewhere in there. Uh, eventually, you know, when it comes out. <laughs> but yeah, um, obviously, I'm a huge sports fan. I grew up in the Northeast. I mean, that's, a, that's just something you did when you grow up in that area. It's like everybody's a sports fan. It's just we got nothing else to do, but we're diehard fans. And I was always a big... Eagles fan, which I have now denounced, but that's okay. That's another for another time. <laughs> but uh, I love Notre Dame football, Carolina basketball, the Orlando Magic, the Buffalo Sabers, and I'm a big soccer fan as well. I follow Bayern Munich and the U.S. men's team. Man, you got a you got a busy dance card. Oh yeah, F1 too, right? Uh, no, na- I was a NASCAR guy, but racing's kind of hard to follow. Okay. So I kind of try to trim it down now. <laughs> it's hard when you have kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much harder now. Best video game of all time. Oof. Uh, this is a tough one, I know. For me, I'd have to say Madden 05. Okay. But there are so many out there that it's hard to kind of pick, but I will gravitate to when they introduce the hit stick. Yeah. Who on this roster is your best competition? Uh at video games so from what i've heard in madden is that uh izzy is very into madden mm-hmm. so i didn't know this till i had a couple conversations with him so um fired up he he so i'm pretty interested in playing him in madden but also usually dj is a he was a big early you know back when i had the madden league a few years ago he was a big competitor, but then eventually I figured him out, and it, <laughs> it didn't go well for him the next few outings. So, <laughs> But uh, I heard uh, there's a lot of guys playing FIFA these days, and that was not a big thing when we were here. It was just kind of me and Higgy. And uh, so I'm interested to you know start and get to play these guys because I'm hearing Judge he's really good now. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. Okay. I think that's the competition these days. When you – I mean, you mentioned the streaming you do, the Twitch stuff you do. Like, like you said, you grew up such a fan of all this stuff mm-hmm. and everything. Could you imagine if when you were a kid watching sports, you had that level of access to one of your sports idols side gigs in oh. a sense? If you could just watch him playing with his playing video games <laughs> with his friends, like what would that have been for young Tommy Hanley? I don't know. I, I couldn't even imagine it. It's just seeing that now, like even back then, like seeing say like it was growing up, I mean some of my favorite players were, you know, you had Randall Cunningham, Donovan McNabb, uh, Ricky Waters. So, I mean, to see any of these guys playing on stream, I would have been probably like shell shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably would easily have watched every time any of those guys were streaming or any of that. But yeah, I could. I, to be honest, I don't even know what I would have done. Okay, you're not allowed to say the World Series here, <laughs> but if you could go to any sporting event in the world as a fan, 
if you just I'm, I'm putting you i'm popping you down there you get to experience the whole thing if you, if you could go to any one sporting event what is it'd it? be the world cup okay oh yeah and and did you consider it this past year i did but it's just yeah the the timing of it was so weird because it was during like right the thanksgiving the weekend mm-hmm. yeah all the so it was very hard to couldn't leave i feel like this was the, <laughs> this was the, until you retire at least yeah this was the time yeah, oh yeah <laughs> it was the the one uh winter world cup but yeah, I think what I'm getting to with this line of questioning, though, is I think one thing that people feel a lot about professional athletes and, and that maybe is like on the template, if you will, professional athlete, is you have to take some emotion out of it. You know, you're playing a game. You're in a business. You know this. Do you think the fact that you are such a passionate person, so the fact that like even if this is a business, what we're doing right now, you know what it's like to be a sports fan. Do you feel like that connects you in some ways with the Yankees fans? Because you're one of them, just not for the, for the <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, you have these passions, you have these obsessions, if you will. Does yeah. That- I mean, I think that's been a big thing of why I can always connect with fans. I understand, you know, how they feel. It's I've been there so many times <laughs> throughout my life and i think it's definitely i mean obviously they're so passionate about the yankees and growing up especially in new york i got to see it and even though i wasn't a yankee fan growing up sadly but uh i got to see how passionate they were for their team and i mean it was incredible i mean i there's not many fans that are like that and Obviously, me growing up as an Eagles fan, everybody's got words for Eagles fans. I mean, we're they're a different breed, <laughs> but I put that in the same you know perspective as a Yankees fan. I mean, that's just they're diehard. They they live, eat, and breathe freaking Yankees baseball. That's that's what it is, and I I thoroughly enjoy it every time I go out there and take the mound in the bullpen when they're yelling down at me. I'll wave back, yell at them, and stuff. So. I have a great time with the fans. I mean, it's a, I have a great connection with them, and I think uh, it's great. I really and, and do. And look, I mean, you, you besides for all the other teams you, you spent time with, you know, your last experiences in LA, incredibly historic franchise, incredibly successful franchise, mm-hmm. wonderful stadium in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, whatever. But what, what, as you think about, you know, your time in the bullpen at Yankee Stadium versus in your time in the bullpen at Dodger Stadium, you know, what are the differences you see? Yeah, I would say definitely it's, it's a big difference. I mean, the Dodgers, obviously, yes, they have probably, I would say, probably the second biggest fan base in baseball, for Seems sure. Like so, I mean, I got to see basically the two top fan bases. And to be honest, it, it was it was a little more mellowed out. I mean, you didn't get, you know, as I, I think there was just something that's missing. I mean, maybe it's the West Coast versus East Coast kind of thing. I mean, they get more sunshine and, you know, they're out on the beach doing all that while we're, you know, shoveling snow that's what we do (laughs) and we're inside you know watching the games with our families and that's just i think it's uh it's just a different different environment and i think being like i said i'll say it all the time it's different up in the northeast people if you're not from there you don't understand it and it's hard like i i've I've noticed it it, not everybody can play here so it's hard the last thing before i let you leave finally um how does it work now does Aaron Boone offered to buy all your Eagle stuff or do you <laughs> give it to him? Is it, do you dole it out maybe one at a time? What's the plan here exactly? So a lot of my older stuff. So when I was growing up, I will say the late nineties, early two thousands, I'm going to obviously I'm keeping all that, <laughs> but I don't, I'm, I guess I'll have to display it, but there is going to be a lot of stuff when I go home 
after the season I'm going to put away because I think it's time. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to take it back out. All right. Well, yeah. Fair so it's Booney, important, Booney's important not getting any of it. But we, we do we do, <laughs> we do reminisce about, you know, when, you know, the, the early 90s, the late 90s, the early 2000s, you know, when the Eagles were, you know, w- one of the premier teams in the NFL. And, I mean, it never worked out until, you know, 17's great year. But, yeah, wow. I think it, uh, it's going to go all bye-bye. <laughs> certainly, uh We'll see if you get to have your own celebration this year. But, Tommy, it's uh, certainly good to have you back. It's uh, it's an energy that's always appreciated. It's a smile that's always appreciated. And thanks for taking the time to do this today. Yeah, appreciate it, John. Thank you. This is Nick Swisher, and you're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, this is Jose Trevino. You're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. Al, that was a fun interview that I've been really waiting to, to get to run. Obviously, again, no surprises here. We recorded that one during spring training, too, when we recorded a couple of these to start with. Our hope was to come in pretty hot, pretty strong with, hey, what's more fun than Tommy Canely? Obviously, much like Yankees fans in general, we had to wait a little bit, but... As we sit here now in the middle of June, Tommy Kane has been worth the wait. He's been great. And I think, you know, when he was here the first time, specifically, to, you know, 2017, you know, the great run that we had that year, he was such a huge part of it on the field. I got to know him a little bit off the field, doing some stories with him in 17 and and then again in spring training of 2018. And, you know, I've had some really fun dinners with uh players doing interviews particularly in Tampa when things are a little bit more relaxed I don't know that any were more fun than the two times I, I spent with him and and so much of it is is kind of reflected in this great episode that we're doing right now such high energy says what it is whatever is on his mind and not just in you know media forums like this in the lock in the clubhouse on the team plane whatever it may be he's just a great guy I think he has a great perspective of himself that there's somewhat of an acquired taste to him but the people around him now and and really since he came to the Yankees even the first time really have a great appreciation for him and respect for him and you know he's he's a unique personality but he gets it done on the field that's for sure it's funny I'll I'll remember that this day waiting for him for a while because yeah, again, it was it was during spring training. It's a couple months ago now, and obviously, you know, to be candid, that's why we don't talk about the injury or anything like that here. The interview was before that, but one of those situations where I had a couple guys on my dance card, I had a couple of guys that I was all set up to interview that day, and and right away, the first person for that day that I made contact with was Kainley, and he said, "Absolutely, I'm in, no problem. I got you. Can we do it after the workout? Of course, Tommy, no problem. Yeah, yeah, I'll be ready right away." great so i get in there after the workout and i proceed to just stand there in the clubhouse waiting for him easily two hours um and a couple times he like ducked his head in and said i got you but he was doing all kinds of treatment whatever and like i'm not above feeling the the 
tiniest bit annoyed, maybe, as sure. I'm standing here. You, you can't go anywhere. You can't move. There's nothing else you could be doing. Right. You're just waiting. And I'm standing there two hours. And he finally comes over. He says he's ready. And I'm putting on a good smile. And, you know, deep down, I'm a little bit frustrated a little with this. And then, like, within a minute and a half of us starting talking, it was just like, okay, you know what? This is the best. Let's go. Let's just yeah. have fun, man. Worth the wait. <laughs> Worth the wait. He is. Because, yeah. you know, he just says it like it is. I mean, he's such an open book. And he's real. He's just, he's, yeah. he's, he's, you know, I think he'd be the first to say this. He's odd in some ways. You know, he's quirky as all uh-huh. this stuff. But he also, he's just going to tell it like it is. And he's going to do it in a way, as we got to in that conversation, that I can't even imagine what it's like to be a 12-year-old kid who a major leaguer is willing to interact with you on your level, the way Tommy Canley does with kids, whether it's, you know, when he's streaming games that he's playing on Twitch or just the, <laughs> the ways that he talks to these kids online and things like that. And not just kids. I mean, adults, too. But... It's it's just such a different thing that we didn't get to experience when we were growing up and we had our baseball idols. Yeah. I can I can't imagine what that's like. No, I think it's really cool. I think it you bring back a lot of memories from the the interviews I did with him. Like you know, um, you know, one of the things I remember him talking about was you know his wife is really on him about you know going to bed a little bit earlier. I'm like, oh, well, you know, what are you staying up doing? Oh, playing video games. And again, there's a lot of adults that play video games. That's fine. But I said, well, what time? You know, like this is in the off season, of course. What time are you going to bed? You know, seven or eight in the morning when she's getting up to go to work. I'm like, I got it. He's a big kid. That that's what it comes down to. He's just a big kid and and a nice kid. <laughs> so th- there's a band I love, uh, the Hold Steady, and on their newest album, which just came out, there's a song lyric. Uh, is 4 a.m. the nighttime or the morning? And I think we can be pretty clear <laughs> that in uh, Tommy Canley's world, 4 a.m. is the nighttime, not the morning. Yeah, it's not the morning. Yeah, exactly. A.m. and P.M. is a little confusing there. But how funny, like, I mean, I don't know if you play video games at all, and I, and I do somewhat, but not to the extent he does, obviously. You know, you, you buy the new Madden every year because, of course, you're going to get the new Madden yeah. and you want to get whatever. The idea of someone saying, what's your favorite game? And being like, Madden 05. <laughs> and because that's when they introduced the hit stick mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's like, I, I couldn't tell you the difference between Madden 05, 06, 07, 08, like any of these things. But it, it took him two and a half seconds of thinking to make sure that he was right. And he's just like, it's got to be Madden 05. And I'm like, God bless you, man. <laughs> whatever you're talking about with Tommy Canely, this is the thing that amazes me. So his new football team is the passion that he has now is Notre Dame football because he is, um, I don't know what the right word is, divorced from the Philadelphia I think, Eagles. I think, you, I think you nailed it with divorced. Um, which I can't believe <laughs> to this day. And the reason I say it is no matter what you're talking about, and he loves the Orlando Magic. I like the Orlando Magic, so we, we share a little bit of that in common. You've probably seen him in the, in the clubhouse with some Orlando Magic jerseys that he's wearing or whatever team. But whatever you're talking about, no one has more knowledge no one studies it more, and no one is more into it than Tommy Canley. Whatever it is that he's into, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I the, the stories we used to have about his love, former love of Philadelphia Eagles was absolutely amazing. Between the jerseys he had, but even just the, the the knowledge he had. I mean, you could ask him about a play, and he would know it. He would literally tell you. Oh, and then the next play, this happened, and then it's it's really amazing. And it's someone who is a major league you know, level athlete in a different sport, which is even more incredible. There's only one like him. And and the thing is, and again, this is one of the main points that I was trying to work to in our conversation, and I'm really glad we got to have it. I think that that is a part of him that makes him so endearing and so lovable because, and I'm not knocking big league players when I say this, and I'm not being one of those people who is saying, oh, these guys don't care. They're just in it for the money. I don't think that at all. What I will tell you is that 
this is a business for a lot of these players, and very few of them think about the sport with the level of passion that a lot of the fans think yeah. about. The, these players live and die with this in one sense, but not because of a single strikeout or something like this. It's because of general long-term outcomes. Tommy Canley thinks like a fan in every other sport, mm -hmm. and I think that makes people understand him a little bit better because he's the one who's reacting, even if it might be about college football or you know, Champions League soccer or anything like that. They see that he reacts that way, and they recognize that reaction because that's the reaction they have to baseball. They don't see from a lot of their idols. That again, I, that doesn't to say they don't care. I'm not saying that in, even a tiny bit, mm -hmm. but they don't engage with baseball in the way fans do, and they shouldn't. That would be a very bad thing for them to do. It would right. be, it would make them crazy. But Tommy Keenley does that, and maybe Tommy Keenley's a little crazy. We never know. Exactly. Um, I I think he is a little crazy, and I say that affectionately. Sure. He, he feels what. Yankees fans feel, you know, when he was a Philadelphia Eagles fan and they won the Super Bowl. I mean, he didn't know how to react. So the only thing that instinctively happened was he shed some clothes and ran around his neighborhood or at least the perimeter of his house. And I won't say how much clothes because maybe I don't even know. But, you know, that's a that's a passionate person or passionate fan, I guess. And then the flip side is when they lose uh, or when they would have lost big games, Let's just say he, he doesn't want anyone around him. So it's pretty passionate. It is. It, it, it's so interesting seeing a guy like him come back, though, able, and I'd say even willing, to talk about some of the ways that maybe he could have acted differently or mm -hmm. been different. And it, and that's not to say that he agrees with everything. And I think as we discussed a lot, it's not to say that I agree with all of some of the mores of how, you know, rookies are supposed to act or young players are supposed to act, whatever. But it is interesting hearing him talk about just knowing that he rubbed some people the wrong way. Yeah. It's just a fun life cycle thing about baseball is you, you see these guys in different periods. Tommy Kingley, he was drafted by the Yankees. You know, Then he wasn't the Yankee. Then he was traded to the Yankees. Then he wasn't the Yankee. Now he's back with the Yankees. Even when he was back with the Yankees for a little while, he wasn't the Yankee. But now he's on the field. And I think that's actually a great transition point right there because, look, it's, it's mid-June and it's a slog right now, right? I mean, it's not amazing right now with the way things are going. A lot of baseball left, a lot of baseball left, but man, where would this team be right now without the bullpen? And I think when you talk about that, you certainly have to talk about a guy like Tommy Canely, but also a story that just went up this week and is in our June issue, a really, really fun and impressive piece about Mike Harkey, the bullpen coach. And Al, I know you were a big part of assigning that piece and just like you, uh, <laughs> I just I'm, I'm thrilled when we get to feature a guy like Hark because it's it's easy to feature Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole in every magazine if we're not careful. But you yeah. know it's the guys like Hark who they're as big a reason for the team's success as anyone. Yeah, I agree with you. We we assign this out to um, Pete Caldera, longtime beat writer, has covered the Yankees for a long time, good friend of of, uh, of mine and of the publications crew here. I don't know Mike Harkey the, the way coming off the Tommy Canely conversation the way I know Tommy Canely, and, and I probably should because, you know, Mike's been here for a long, long time, um, longest tenured coach on the staff. But it's hard to find somebody who doesn't think that he does his job not only really, really effectively, but in a manner that adds tremendous value, wins and losses to this team. And, you know, dating all the way back to Mariano Rivera, just the way that he mentors young relief pitchers and old relief pitchers and, and, and also gives them the, the mental stability, you know, in a really tumultuous job, which is being a relief pitcher, obviously, that he does. He's tremendous 
tremendously valuable to this team. Some of this stuff, you know, a lot of times, especially when it comes to baseball analytics, you know, a lot of times it's about process and not results and things like that. And, and, and God only knows there's a lot of process involved in the Yankees bullpen and a lot of analytics for sure. My God. But let's just talk results for a second. The Yankees who aren't playing a ton of high scoring games, which is part of what the issue has been lately, which means that when there are relievers in, it's usually high leverage spots. Yeah. The Yankees are the best bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. They have a, as we sit here right now on Tuesday afternoon, they have a 2.96 ERA. You know, they have a 1.19 whip. Batters are hitting 215 against them. I'm just looking this up right. I, I, yeah. Again, these aren't usually mop-up situations where relievers are coming in and blow-ups. There's mm-hmm. a lot of tight games the Yankees are playing. And you look at these guys, and certainly Keenly, who just came back, but, you know, I, I hate to say it. I don't mean to put it like this. You don't have Mariano Rivera in that room. You don't have no. the guys who it's like you just laugh about because they're automatic. Every one of these guys... You know, three years ago, how many of the Yankees relievers right now had you heard of? Right. Is it one? Is yeah, it two? It, it's it's a short list. And, and even if you had heard about them or read about them in the pages of Yankees magazine, what you were reading about was their trials and tribulations. Yeah. You know, Mariano Rivera had not a lot of trials and tribulations. I know he had surgery in the minors and whatever, but for most of the time that we can remember two people here who are relatively the same age, it was all good. You know, it was all good. When you look at Clay Holmes, I mean, look at that inspirational story, but it's inspirational because he was at the very bottom. You know, you look at, you know, so so many other guys. Tommy Canley is a perfect example, thinking about what he's dealt with over the last couple of years. Look, I mean, it was about this time, a little bit later in this, but last year when we all listened to Michael King's elbow explode in a baseball game. One, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Yankees' bullpen success is all because of Mike Harkey. Mike Harkey wouldn't say that either. No. But what I love about Mike Harkey is he embodies the idea that you need every part of baseball intellect in order to have a staff. Yes, it's great to have guys who can sit there and look at you know slow-motion video and all kinds of things and figure out every single thing that a pitcher might do and you know who can learn how to design a new pitch and everything like that. And, you know, Harky understands stuff too, don't get me wrong. But what he also has is just miles on his body. He has mm-hmm. seen everything in baseball. He knows everybody in baseball. He has been a part of every you know generation of baseball yeah, essentially really for has. the last like I don't, I don't even know how long. But you know, he was very nearly picked in front of Ken Griffey Jr. to play <laughs> for the Mar- like all these things. You know, this guy's got a baseball life and at the same time, he's just hilarious and fun mm-hmm. and popular, and these players love having him there. I mean, you know, we two weeks ago we did the piece with Wandy Peralta where we talked about this and Peralta talking about going after him and how Harky goes back at him and <laughs> right. you know that was just part of the easiest part of our conversation we had just because it was so natural because there's such love there. And again, that would be fine if you know there was a beloved coach and guys were okay. But year after year after year, Harkey is leading a bullpen that's, if not the best bullpen in baseball, certainly one of them. And what I think about when you talk about the type of personality he has and when you talk about the type of influence he has on guys, and again, not to keep going back to this, but from a mental aspect, when you think about you know, the outcomes of the biggest games— and I think about it for the 20 years I've been with the Yankees. I hate to bring back, you know, 2003 World Series or 2004 postseason where, you know, we lost opportunities 
to win championships. And I'll say it that way. We didn't lose championships. We lost opportunities to win championships because of things not working out in the late innings with relief pitchers. And that was before he was here. But what I'm getting at is that it's not necessarily we lost because of the ability of the relief pitcher. We lost a lot of times because of the nerves of the relief pitcher. And it's not an easy thing to be in. It's not an easy situation to be in. So I'm not saying Mike Harkey's coaching prowess and the way that he relates to people is going to make it so no pitcher ever comes into a game too nervous. But boy, it does help their nerves having him there and having someone they can relate to and trust. And that's a big thing is words are great, but they don't mean anything if the person who's saying him is not trusted and he's trusted. Absolutely. And you see it. And it's not just the players. It's the coaching staff for sure. He is absolutely a sounding board uh, for Aaron Boone, certainly. And, and all those guys out there. I remember talking to Matt Blake a couple of years ago. I think it was, it was certainly during the pandemic because I'm pretty sure I was talking to him from my desk at home. And he's saying, you know, just having Harky around, the stuff that they can bounce off each other, and they come at it from very different perspectives, obviously, you know, they have different histories in the game, but he was saying how much he's learning from Harky, and he, I think, was saying and assuming, and Harky has confirmed to me, that he's able to pick up stuff that Matt Blake knows, too, and it just, you know, again, you, you put those guys next to each other, it'd be very hard to say these two have the same basic job, you know, yeah. these two do the same basic thing, sure. these two are contemporaries and peers and all that stuff, like, you might not get mm -hmm. that right away sure. but there's such a symbiosis there and i think like I, I mean you know you know aaron boone trusts him yeah and you know it's funny because i'm glad you brought that up um i'm looking at an email from pete caldera again who wrote the story and he had this amazing quote that he got from aaron boone and it really resonated with me so much it exactly kind of underscored what you just talked talked about and how you know when he got the managerial job he knew how great of a coach Mike Harkey was he also knew that Mike Harkey was Joe Girardi's best friend you know the former manager here and you know awkward yeah and, and <laughs> I mean it, it I think about that like it's kind of funny when <laughs> yeah someone is replacing a guy's best friend and you know does he want to work for you now do you want him to work for, for you now? It's weird. It's awkward. It's whatever. But I think what ended up happening just speaks volumes about Mike Harkey's character. He wanted to be with the Yankees. You know, Aaron knew that he was Joe's best friend, um, but he also knew this reputation that he had of just being one of the best people in baseball. And because of that, he, he wanted him to be here. And Harkey said, yes, he stayed. And, and kind of the quote ends that now he's one of Aaron Boone's best friends. And but he's connective tissue in a sense. I mean, yeah. it, and, you know, like it's not for nothing. But if you go right now, the clubhouse is open right now to the media. We can go in there and we can walk every inch of that room. We can walk, look at every single player in that room, and we can walk into the coach's room. And it's not until we get to Mike Harkey will we find a Yankees World Series ring. He's the only yeah. one. Yeah. He's the only one who was there in 2009. There's mm -hmm. not a single player, with the exception of Kyle Higashioka, who was, you know, the lowest of the low minors in 2009, yeah, right. who was part of the organization then. But Harkey was. Harkey, you know, has been in a parade here. Harkey has, you know. And there done. are photos of it in. Yankees for magazine. sure. <laughs> and one of the things I love that we did was we showed pictures of him with CeCe Sabathia, like all kind of along, like, you know, his generations with the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. so now Sabathia comes here, you know, throw a first pitch or something, and he's, you know, hugging Harkey. Yeah. You know, Harkey's still there in uniform, still yeah. the same. Harkey's the guy who was the last person who Mariano Rivera would talk to, and he would go sure. into a game. Mm -hmm. All these things. 
You know, that matters. That, 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 is, that is a guy who knows the culture here as well as anybody who knows the expectations here, but also knows the rewards that mm-hmm. come with winning here. And a lot of players understand that, but they haven't seen it. They haven't yeah. seen what it is to win in New York. And Harky has. And that's something, look, you know, who knows how the rest of the season is going to be. <laughs> the vibes are whatever right now. This is a very good baseball team that is over 500. That mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, everyone, there's a lot of baseball left to be played here. Let's Absolutely. be very clear about that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, when you need someone, you know, who knows, like you said, how to handle that pressure or whatever. The pressure, exactly. Uh, in, in the place on the baseball field where there is the most pressure. Yeah. Again, you want that you want the last person that guy speaks to before he comes into the game to relieve in the eighth or ninth inning to be a cool, easygoing guy who has seen it work like Mark, yeah. Mike Harkey. And I think it's pretty fortunate. I, I agree with you. I think that's exactly the point I was making before. Pressure. You know, the biggest games we've won is because of the relief pitching, and the biggest ones we've lost is because of the relief pitching. There's there there is so much pressure associated with it. One thing I laugh about, and I mean this totally respectfully towards Mike and anyone else who's been in their job for as long as him, what I laugh about is looking at the photos. I see the photos of him with CC in two thousand and nine. And then you see photos from now and he looks great. Don't get me wrong. I am not, this is not a criticism in any way, shape or form, but it does show you how long he's done a job that most people don't get to keep that long. Cause I'm not going to say he looks old cause he doesn't. He really looks great. I, I don't know how old he is, but when I'm that age, I hope I look half as good uh, in case he's listening. But I, I mean that, but boy, did he look young in 2009. <laughs> it's always fun. Especially, I, I find it the most fun when you do it with Brian Cashman, like when you can basically run like, you know, like the hair chart of Brian Cashman <laughs> <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah John, John says before it. he gets fired. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah, I, I think yeah. uh, that's as good a place as any to stop. The story is online right now at yankees.com slash magazine. It's called Rear Guard. Of course, it's also in Yankees Magazine, which is on sale through the end of this homestand before we move on to the July issue, which we are working hard to, to finish as we speak, uh, literally yep. squeezing this recording session in between uh, finishing stories in our July issue, which is going to be another great one. But Al, in the meantime, uh, you know, certainly as we get close to the July 4th holiday and everything like that, we get close to the official second half of the season. This has been you know, a fun start here, and I, I hope a happy summer, happy everything. Same, absolutely. Happy Pride, happy everything you celebrate. Yep. I hope everyone has a great couple weeks here, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. Thank you for listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. The New York Yankees official podcast is a production of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. It's produced by me, John Schwartz, with assistance from the entire team at Yankees Magazine, as well as incredible support from the New York Yankees Media Relations Department, in particular Jason Zillow, Michael Margolis, and Caitlin Brennan. Thanks also to our awesome social media team, Brian Callahan, Julia Shore, and Alex King. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcasts. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcasts at yankees.com. For more information about the stories we discussed today, visit yankees.com slash magazine, where you can read all of our long-form content. If you'd like to subscribe to Yankees Magazine or purchase individual copies of the magazine, yearbook, media guide, or anything else, please visit yankees.com slash publications or call us at 800-GO-YANKS. Of course, you can also stay up to date on everything happening here at the stadium by following us on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine, or by liking us on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks.